Today, on the Buckle Bomb Show... CM Punk says Larry was injured in the All Out Brawl. We get another surprising return on SmackDown. A feud seemingly bubbles between Carl Anderson and New Japan. And is MJF turning babyface? Welcome to this Halloween weekend edition of the Buckle Bomb Show here on Bomb Media Productions. My name is Bobby, and I'm so happy to be here to talk professional wrestling with you once again. I am joined once again by my broadcast partner. He has defected WCW and joined the NWO. He is now managing Scott Hall. Can't believe he's done this. He's betrayed us all. The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Let me tell you something about hard times, Daddy. We're all going through hard times, but that's no reason to lose your Usi. <laughs> all right, yes, there he is, the grizzly villain himself, Anthony Roan, dressed as the NWO version of Dusty Rhodes for Halloween. I, I wanted to get a costume, I wanted to do something, but I just wasn't able to do it in time. So here I am, just dressed as me, sad me. Uh, we'll go ahead and get right into things. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. We'll start right off with, of course, what else? More CM Punk Elite All Out News. There's a lot of stuff this week, of course. Uh, there's the stuff with Larry. Uh, apparently, I believe it was uh, Wrestling Inc., if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that. That reached out to CM Punk's camp. And they said that Larry was injured by the, quote, kicked-in door. And it hit Larry, who eventually had to have a couple of teeth removed due to the injury. Uh, of course, the elite side of the story, or at least people uh, that were there, uh, has said that's a complete lie. Uh, we also have apparently come to the end or very near the end of the investigation of the incident as we're seemingly getting the elite back. It said they will continue to be EVPs. And uh, we also got a little promo during Dynamite and posted on social media of them seemingly being deleted from history, including the E in the AEW, uh, if you noticed that, which was very interesting. So, uh, Tony, we'll go ahead and cut to you here. Uh, first off, what do you think of the story of Larry getting hurt? And then uh, what do you think of the Elite possibly returning to TV here very soon? So, uh, I hate to say this, but I think the story about Larry is complete and total bullshit. It's salacious as hell. Think about it. If anything that would have came out of the uh, brawl out media scrum bullshit backstage, I think that's the one thing that you know would have been a very huge talking point is that Larry's lost his teeth. Um, the other part with that being said is when Kenny Omega was trying to get Larry out of the room, he handed it 
the ended Larry to somebody named Mega Megine. It, it, that doesn't, it's not Megan, but it's spelled weird. And I guess they're saying that CM Punk was in such a frenzy of rage that he didn't notice a complete stranger was holding his dog. So uh, it's, it's a little it's a little fishy to me that uh, it's coming out now that Larry got hurt during that. That makes any sense. Yeah. Oh. It's uh... as far as. Oh, go ahead. Well, we'll go ahead and stop right there, and I'll get the the other part of my question uh, in just a minute. Um, with the you know, Melcher has come out, and so has uh, Sean Rossap of Fightful. They've both come out and said, "Yeah, we haven't heard anything about Larry having been injured in that until this report from Wrestling Inc." Uh, doesn't necessarily mean it's not true. Obviously, the other side has said it has come out and said it's a complete lie. And by the way, when we're talking about CM Punk's camp and the elite's side of the story or people in the AEW locker room, we're probably not talking about CM Punk himself and the Bucks and Omega themselves. Because right now, I believe they're probably under an NDA and they can't talk to anyone directly. And I think it may be... It may be that way for a while, if ever. I don't think we're ever going to hear a story from either side directly. Uh, certainly not uh, the elite side. Why would they? They're still working with the company. So, that being said, keep that in mind. Some of these stories are going to be hearsay. You might be getting something from a source that's not telling the whole truth. It may. This may not be what Punk said. But, you know, we don't know for sure. It's a CM Punk's camp is literally what was in the report. But it is feasible. We do, we do know, and I, I said this to you in, in a tweet or in a message, and and you laughed at me. But it is, it is, I believe, feasible that no one would have necessarily known in the AEW locker room that could report this to someone that... Larry was somehow hit by the door or otherwise injured in the... Because we, we know the only people that were in the locker room as the Bucks and Omega entered were Punk, Larry, and A. Steele's wife. And so it may have been that no one knew he was he got hit by the door. Even if Omega picked him up and carried him out. You know, he may not have necessarily known that he got whacked in the face. He just saw that the dog was barking and crazy and, you know, Omega tried to, you know, get him out of the situation. But, so, it's not necessarily, even if the other side's saying it's a lie, maybe it's not. And you got to think here, you know, once CM Punk sort of starts, regardless of what happens with his wrestling career... Once he starts to get back on social media, we'll see pics of him, you know, walking his dog again like he always used to post. There'll be lots of Larry on his social media. And, you know, it would be very obvious if he's still got all his teeth because they're out there on that dog. So if they're still there, then eh, okay, that story probably wasn't true. But if he's missing a couple, it lends a little bit of credence. Of course, that doesn't mean it came from that event. Maybe this it's a thing that happened. And now it's being attributed to the brawl out. So, you know, there's, again, you got to remember and you got to try and take a step back and go, 
yeah, okay, but there's all these different angles and all these different stories coming from all these different places. What's true, what's not, we have no real idea yet. We can infer a few things are probably true here and there, but a lot of the details we just don't know and probably won't for a long time. So, um, first off, that's bullshit because in about another 30 years, there's going to be a podcast called Super Kick Money, and it's just going to be the Young Bucks and Dave Meltzer's reincarnated corpse just shooting on the formation of AEW, and this is going to be an episode. Are you sure Meltzer's not already a reincarnated corpse? I mean, the way he looks, the way he keeps his office, I mean... He could be. <laughs> he very well could be. Who am I kidding? We all know it's going to be Conrad that scores that podcast. <laughs> True. It'll um, be on the Ad Free Shows Network, absolutely. Yep. Um, no, but... The other part about it, this that's so bizarre to me is, and you're right at what you say at the end there. It could have been something that happened, and people would just seem Larry. There's, there was a lot going on. There's a lot of chaos. We that we yeah. do know. First off, I think it's bullshit that one of the biggest news stories of the week is about a fucking dog. Well, it's a little puppy. <laughs> but, a cute uh, little Larry. That's son. the ugliest fucking oh, dog. Look at you. Come on. I will. I will throw all the dirt on Larry. It, he's a cool looking dog, but. That's a face only a mother can love. <laughs> and I know something about that. Look at mine. Um, but no, the, I think with all the news surrounding Larry when it actually happened, that is something that would have been brought up sooner. That's just my opinion on it. Uh, um, now, as far as the second part of your question about that, uh, in my opinion, fucking cringy video package AEW put together. Cringy? Cringy in what way? Uh, I, I thought it was... I mean, I, you know me, I'm not the big... I certainly don't care for the Bucks that much, and I haven't seen Omega enough to have a real opinion on him. I know he's, he's, he's a star, for sure, and he's got a good look. But I didn't think the package... if For a way to come back from all of this, you know, obviously you can't just ignore it. So how do you get them back on TV? This this was interesting. It was it was a start to me um, because it was like, hey, kind of a what if this would have never happened? This would have ha- never happened. Hey, AEW would have never happened. Literally, the E in AEW is elite. So what do you, I'm curious what you mean by cringy. So what I mean by cringy is um, it's so much speculation, right? Are the elite going to stay with AEW? Or are they going to go join Cody and WWE now that it's a Triple H production? There's a lot of those what-if questions. Obviously, we all know they're not going anywhere. It's looking more and more by the day that they're siding with the elite in this whole situation. So what's the point of trying to show like a Thanos snap promo package? It was just kind of like, you guys are fucking stretching right now. I mean, it's like I texted you back when you sent me that video package. All Mox Wrestling, is that is that what we're going with? Like, It's just very bizarre to me. And it did nothing for me. It didn't do a good job at hyping the return of anybody, in my opinion. Uh, I think they're just trying to cash in on the uh, rumor and innuendo that's out there in the world right now about what's actually going on with the elite and AEW. 
Man, I just had a stroke trying to say that. Holy shit. Uh, absolutely. Well, shouldn't they cash in on it if they can? I mean, it's it's been the biggest news story in a year that has seen Vince fucking McMahon retire. It's probably been the biggest news story of the year. At least the one with the longest legs. So... No, absolutely. This has been, like you said, the biggest news story in a year of Vince McMahon retiring and just every promotion in the world's fucking on fire right now. So it's very bizarre. You, you... With that being said, um, go ahead. It's capitalism. You're free to try and cash in on however you can. I just thought personally there was better ways. There's more exciting ways to do is it. Is there though? I, you know, I, I, yeah. There is. Really, more, more, more. That's my opinion. More exciting, more interesting. That's going to get more people tuning in than hey, we're at least in some way going to address what happened when we we haven't even mentioned these guys' names on TV. Now, now we're finally starting to address it. They're going to come back. Is are they going to talk about it? Are they not? You're going to hype up that return, and they're going to have to. And and like I said, they have to address it in some form or fashion. You can't just move on and ignore it completely. So whatever, at the very least, the first promo back, they it has to be talked about in some form or fashion. And then you can move on if you want to move on. But you certainly want to build that up. For sure. That it would be it would be bad business not to. I think that uh, you know, this is gonna be the first and only time me and CM Punk ever agree on anything. Because in six months from now, when he's doing a shitty unheard of podcast on the high spots network. He's going to say the exact same thing. Punk doesn't give a shit about podcasts. He went on on a podcast that was his friend's podcast at the time. Some guy named Scott Colton. Uh, I don't think he wants to talk about him anymore. As he continues to talk about him a lot. Obviously, before later, we'll <laughs> the whole conversation about <laughs> Right. But, you know, it, that was his buddy's. He could have gone and done a million different podcasts, you know. And that actually leads me to... He, he could have done Chris Jericho's podcast, which leads into another story. Out of all this that we can talk about is uh, it came out that Chris Jericho, that night, after everything had went down... And we, we do know at some point that CM Punk and Kenny Omega had to sit down and talked, but nothing came of it that night as well, after the fight. But apparently... Chris Jericho confronted CM Punk and called him uh, cancer, uh, a locker room cancer, uh, to his face, and and CM Punk was just like, "You're not a part of this. Get get the fuck away." Uh, you have any thoughts on that? Obviously, Chris Jericho, uh, from all accounts, has risen a bit as a locker room leader, which kind of surprised me. It wasn't he before? But he's been lauded a bit here in the last. Eight weeks. So from what my understanding with Chris Jericho was originally, was never to be a locker room leader position. Um, you know, you'd think like with having someone like Sting in a locker room, that's, no. Those guys are there as legends, experienced, to mold the green guys 
as they would say. Um, but now it's weird that Chris Jericho is in a position where he has no choice but to be a leader. Um, if you've ever listened to any of the Takas Jericho from the Takas Jericho cruises, it's no secret. Chris Jericho doesn't really have uh, many nice things to say about CM Punk. I go back to the first Jericho cruise with my favorite Takas Jericho interview ever, I think. The uh, one with the Elite, where Cody Rhodes tells that awesome CM Punk locker room leader story. Um, you know, I can appreciate CM Punk for what he is in the ring. I can appreciate him for the pipe bomb promo that admittedly drew a lot of people back into being fans of professional wrestling. Myself included. At what, at what point do you sit back and realize maybe you are the problem? And I do know there was a report, I think it was from Meltzer himself. And of course, it's Meltzer, so grain of salt. But there was a report that he did now know that some of the things he said in the scrum were inaccurate. That it wasn't the Bucks, that it wasn't Omega that was giving information to uh, to the wrestling media. That's the story I heard as well. Um, which, boy, fucking egg on your face. Right. Um, but, I mean... Uh, another part of this, and maybe uh, will we ever know if it happens or not? Has it happened already? Possibly. But have have either one of them, uh, the Elite, the Bucks, or Punk, the other way around, have, have they tried to contact each other? Have they contacted each other? We'll never know until one of them says, hey, I tried, or hey, I, we did, and we kind of hashed things out a little bit, or he told me to fuck off. But... You know, you know that's obviously a possibility at this point too. We we just don't know. And we probably won't for a long time. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about briefly within this subject, because you weren't here last week, was the possibility of Punk uh, jumping to WWE. Uh, do you think it's a possibility at all? Do you think Triple H would take him back? The quote. Uh, the former CEO of WWE. No chance. No chance in hell. Um, I think that uh, doofus son-in-law comment was kind of the nail in his proverbial coffin of ever jumping back ship now that Triple H is in charge. But I will say this, though, even though that is just my opinion, the golden role of professional wrestling is never say never. Never say never. Although I and look, I don't think any of us can see it. But I mean, none of us could see the warrior coming back. I mean, none of us could see a lot of things that have happened. Bret Hart coming back. I mean, you know, there there are a lot of things. There's always a never say never. Now that was with Vince obviously in charge, and you know, now we've got Triple H. At least in charge of 
the TV and the creative side of the WWE. It's been said that he he's with his his father-in-law on this. He agrees with his father-in-law. Business is business. I'll put whatever feelings I have aside if it's good for business. And that feels like that's something Triple H would agree with. Um, not that we know for sure. But obviously the history with Triple H and CM Punk is deep. It goes back. They've never really liked each other. At least according to what they both say. But do I think Triple H would be putting would be willing to put that aside if bringing CM Punk in would be good for business? Yes, 100%. Not a doubt in my mind for me. Do I think that's what is best for business is a little bit of a different story. Because we got locker room issues. Bringing him in, people might be... Right now, we've got an all-time high in WWE in locker room morale, right? So, bringing him in, even if he's on his best behavior, bringing him in... there's He was on his best behavior for a long while in AEW, too. And it wasn't until suddenly, you know, things started to go sideways with certain people. And that's always a possibility with with Punk. And that's a possibility with anyone in wrestling, but there's a history. And... With that being said, how hilarious would it be to see CM Punk just go back to WWE to fight Cody Rhodes backstage and say that he beat up all the members of the elite in two different companies? (laughs) That That would be hilarious, but, you know, there's no way you put... There's no way you, uh bury Cody like that so uh, with what you're trying to do with Cody at WWE but that would be fucking that would be great don't get me wrong and then we'd all hate it the next day but (laughs) but 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 to to continue what I was saying earlier or what I was what I was saying there um and now my mind's blanking all of a sudden but to continue what I was saying uh if 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 you do bring Punk back, it's not going to be a full-time gig. I mean, that was part of the allure of AEW. There's no house shows. You've got TV four nights a week. The occasional live rampage, okay, whatever, if he even has to be a part of it. And then you've got a pay-per-view once every three months. So he's not coming back to a full-time WWE schedule by any stretch, no matter what. So he's pretty much going to have a Brock Lesnar deal. Is is that worth it for WWE? Would the money be good enough for CM Punk? Would the creative be right? If all those things line up, yes, he comes back. But those are a lot of ifs. That's a ladder that's got to be climbed that we don't know if it could be climbed. I, I don't see any chance of it being climbed. Like you said, um, for a certain sect of the fan base, would that be best for business? Absolutely. In the reality of, and again, one of your favorite things to say, would it be best for business in a publicly traded company, knowing how toxic he's considered in mm-hmm. locker rooms? 
But that being said, if he's only part-time, he's not going to be in the locker room long enough to be to really have an effect. He's going to come in and he can do his thing of, "Hey, I'm I'm helping the young guys a little bit here and there when I'm there." Like Brock Lesnar does. And he seems to get a kick out of doing. Which Brock Lesnar hated the business, you know, a decade and a half ago. But, you know, so there are a lot of factors and things that feel like there's not a chance. But if you if they get on the phone, and that's the, the, the biggest step and the hardest step that's going to happen here is... Pr- is and it's going to have to be the WWE and it's going to have to be Paul Levesque calling Phil Brooks because we know how Phil Brooks holds a fucking grudge and there's no way he's going to reach out to WWE he doesn't need them and he doesn't need wrestling he's he's got money he's never been someone that wasted money and and he likes there's other things he was doing movies and he was doing things and he enjoyed himself for 8 years or 7 years he came back to wrestling, and he fell in love with wrestling again, he said, and that's great. But, you know, he doesn't need the WWE. The WWE doesn't need him. But, you know, I just, I don't see any way Punk contacts WWE first. But if they contact him first, <clears throat> specifically, especially if it's Paul Levesque, and they're able to get some sort of conversation going. Hey, sorry for sending you that notice on the day you got married. My bad. If if they can get some sort of conversation and working relationship going again, eh, you never know. But I, to me, the hardest part is going to be that first call. Yeah, the first call is always the hardest call. With that, however. I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum. I think it's something to CM Punk coming back because he was broke. You know, that's something that's been discussed multiple times. Uh, and while it is true that, you know, they've always said CM Punk's a frugal guy, Dana White tells a great story about the first time he ever met CM Punk. Um, and just how shocked he was that here's this WWE guy driving around in like, just like a 96 hatchback Civic or some shit. He never he never let the, the money and the, the, the stardom get to him, apparently. Like, he hated, as much as he loved, like, that's one of the good things about the WWE uh, documentary in 2013, I think, when it came out, was, you know, he got a bus. And, he, and he's like, man, I, I, I didn't exactly want this because... I love riding with the guys. You know, I loved when I rode with Kofi Kingston. I love, you know, riding with Scott Colton and other people when I was doing the indies and all this stuff. I loved riding in the cars. But, man, I needed it because my body needed it. And yeah, but uh, so spending the money there was sort of a thing he, he indulged in a bit, but he, he really didn't even like doing it. And, you know... But like I was saying, though, with that, he, yes, he he's very frugal with his money. He's tight on the wallet. But even still, after eight years, there are still bills that need paid. Larry needs dog food. Wasn't that like one of his famous lines when he first came back to AEW in his first night? <laughs> I, 
you know, I, I I think I think he's I don't think he's hurting for money. He made I, I, he made I, a I lot it. of money with WWE, and I I think I don't think he's hurting for money. And you know, he's don't let's not forget he's got a wife who's got a big share in a company that's doing well right now, a wrestling company, and she's doing things. She just had a movie come out. So it's it's not just him. He's got a wife out there that's making a lot of money as well. They're both names. They're both doing things in the entertainment side of the business as well as wrestling. He doesn't need the WWE. But okay, but like, and we'll agree to disagree on the financial aspect of it. But at the end of the day, though, and like you said, Phil Brooks holds a grudge like yes. no one else can. It's very evident. He will, underneath the volition of him being a jackass, not put Vince McMahon to the side in favor of hearing out Triple H. You, you can you can set it like a clock, dude. I mean, that's just the kind of person Phil Brooks is. He he did always say before he returned to the AW. He did always say, "Hey." They call me. If Paul Levesque calls me, I'll listen. I'll talk to him. I'll have a conversation. He always did say that. And on the other hand, you know, we we do know, and we got to move on for this story. We're already thirty minutes into the show, and it, we got seven topics, and we we're only on the first one still. But um, you know, he he when he did the Fox show with Renee Paquette, Renee Young at the time. You know, that was a deal with Fox. Fox wanted WWE to hire him back. And Vince McMahon said no. And when do you ever see Vince McMahon really say no like that? And Vince said no. At least that's according to certain reports that have been out there. So there's a whole lot of moving stuff to this story. A whole lot of stuff that... You know, a lot of it we'll never know for sure one way or the other. Um, will he come back to WWE? Will he ever have a chance to come back to AEW? Right now, obviously no. But hey, two, three years time, some things cool off. Who knows? There's a lot of stuff out there. Obviously, he's not getting any younger. And this Larry story is just, uh, you know, one way or the other. It's It's not a fun story. And, of course, we got the Elite coming back to TV here and apparently being EVPs again, which I think is a mistake, but that's a whole different topic. Uh, We'll go ahead and move on to the next one because we need to move on here. Uh, And that'll be uh, Carl Anderson, who we know was double booked for Crown Jewel and also the New Japan Pro Wrestling Battle Autumn where he was set to defend his Never Openweight Championship uh, he posted a video a couple of weeks ago where he said, Hey, you didn't book it through the right guy. I ain't showing up. I'm going with uh, what I've got now with WWE and Crown Jewel. That's where I'm going to be wrestling that day. And a lot of information came out about you know, the New Japan Pro Wrestling president being upset. And a lot of this was reported as a shoot. 
Um, literally just yesterday, I think it was, yeah, or two days ago, uh, it looks like Fightful came out and said, Fightful Select, in fact, came out and said that, uh, no, it's, it's, this is all, I mean, maybe there's some hurt feelings still, but this is all planned. WWE is aware that he, Carl Anderson still has some dates with NJPW. He's got to work. New Japan has known that him and Doc Gallows have been, or Luke Gallows, how, whatever name we want to call him, is there. They were apparently they knew they were going back to WWE as early as August. So they were aware that there was going to be this situation, uh, and as far as New Japan knows, uh, they're going to be working for them and still work dates for them all the way through January at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, what are your thoughts on all this stuff going on between Carl Anderson and NJPW and the Open Neverweight title? Is it a work? Is it a shoot? What do you think? I think with them renaming all the premium live events, prepare for WWE, GCW, New Japan Presents, One Night Stand. <laughs> and you know, you can shake your head all you want, but there is that little thing in the back of your head saying, fuck, it's a possibility, huh? It's really not. And we'll get to that in the GCW story. But go ahead. So, um, New Japan is always very willing to make storylines out of anything. Whether it's taboo, real life, politically correct, doesn't matter. That's just New Japan shtick. The only time New Japan can't make a deal with someone is if you embarrass one of their top guys. Ergo, Kazuchika Okada being in TNA back in the day, the way they treated Okada on TV effectively ended the New Japan partnership with TNA before it really got off the ground. Uh, WCW is another perfect example of that, where they disrespected a lot of their top guys back in the day, or so Noki felt, and uh, that terminated that partnership. So, um, and it, if you look at the new regime, the uh, triad that's in charge of wwe now they're all on the same page with thinking that you know they're open to talk and work with anybody if it makes sense and what what would make sense more i mean i know you and me agree to disagree on this one constantly but uh we have to accept the fact that no longer can we ignore that having Bullet Club on your television is a bad move? It's one of the hottest IPs in professional wrestling right now. There is an active Bullet Club member in every major company right now. Is it one of the hottest IPs? I mean, it's like a, what, 10, 11 year old thing right now that's. Eh. Uh, I would rival. Yeah, I don't think it gets talked about anymore. I haven't heard the Bullet Club. I don't even know what the Bullet Club's doing right now. And I used to, and I didn't watch independent wrestling. I haven't heard anything about the actual Bullet Club that's still going on today, whether it's in New Japan or wherever it is. It, it's still one of the highest, in my opinion. It outweighs. And here I am. I'm running a wrestling podcast now, and I know nothing about the modern day Bullet Club. So I, I feel like everywhere. Sure, it, 
You still see NWO and DX? Do you see the shirt you're wearing? I made an NWO shirt with my logo on it. Come on. Of course the shirt's still everywhere. Because when you buy a wrestling shirt, you, we all know you wear it for 15 years. Not true. I wear my shirts very hard, thank you very much. And they usually end up losing sleeves within the first year. It's just the trailer trash in me that's never going to leave. Uh, Says the guy drinking Bush Light. Uh, no, as far as a working relationship like that with New Japan, I no, that, of course. Uh, uh, and we've both heard, and it's not something that we're talking about today, uh, but, you know, obviously there was a report today that Billy Corgan... Has had conversations with Paul Levesque and you know having some sort of uh, some sort of working relationship with WWE, but whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, I remember motherfuckers been at work since seven thirty this morning. I have not heard about this. Oh, it was it came out like two days ago, but oh, yeah, uh, Billy Corgan admitted that he's he's open to working with either AEW or WWE for NWA as it currently is today to be sort of a training ground for their company. Um, and he said that he did have conversations with uh, Triple H. But... <laughs> Please give me Nick Aldis versus Roman Reigns. That you're not going to get. But it has been talked about that Nick Aldis could be coming to AD- or WWE very soon. Really? Yeah. Anyways, that's... We're not talking about that today, unless you want to talk about it later in quick jabs. We got a lot. Of stuff no, 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 it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. We're just gonna breeze right past this. That the Smashing Pumpkins are gonna start making the theme song for NXT. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, with this stuff with Carl Anderson, for I kind of bought it for a bit because when I heard that the uh, New Japan president, I forget his name. Came out and said, "Yeah, uh, no, we we made the booking correctly. He's he's working. He's talking bullshit, but we made the booking correctly. He's supposed to be there on was it November November fourth, fifth? I forget the exact date for Battle Autumn in Osaka. And if he's not there, he's being stripped of the title." the way it is of course carl anderson's like well whatever i'm still gonna be in saudi arabia but you know and he may get stripped of the title but it seems more and more now like this is in fact a work doesn't mean that wwe and new japan are working together just that they're aware hey we've got a guy we got guys here that are you know, working dates for both companies, and we're gonna have to work some things. And it, and I think what New Japan's doing, if this is in fact a work, is brilliant because they're heels over there. And as much as they're baby faces in WWE TV, they're heels over there in New Japan. And and that little promo by Carl Anderson about not you didn't book it with the right person was was a great little promo and a great video. So you know, I think this is fun stuff, and that's all I think. I don't think there's anything, any animosity behind it. No, I think it's absolutely 100% work. And I think if we've learned three things with this story, Rocky Romero is going to be wrestling next week on main event. Um, <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins are the official theme song for War Games. And uh, 
New Japan GCW WWE crossover pay-per-view coming 2023. All right, that's pretty much it. We summed it up. Yeah, sure. That's it. Fine. We'll go ahead and move on from the Billy Corgan news. Oh, no, wait. The uh, Carl Anderson news here. And move on to the next topic. And Emma returned on Friday night to the WWE one day short of five years exactly from the day of her release due to budget cuts back in uh, October 29, 2017. Uh, are you happy to see Emma back? Did you like the match she had with Ronda Rousey? I don't know if you had a chance to see it um, or if you know what happened there. She uh, ended up getting tapped out. She tapped out to Ronda Rousey's armbar, but only after she put up a hell of a fight and Ronda Rousey had to cheat with an eye rake, which I love, by the way, that an eye rake was a cheating maneuver. We have rules yeah, in uh, wrestling again, but go ahead. I was a huge fan of Emma even back in the day when she had that stupid little like bubble dance. Yeah. Um, and then for whatever reason, towards the end of her time in WWE, they did her so fucking dirty. Well, it was one of the classic, you know, main main roster, hey, we're, you know, we don't know what to do with her, Vince McMahon kind of deals. On top of, didn't she have a DUI? Maybe two. Or something like that. I don't that. remember anything about that. But what I will say, though, is, you know, that aside, that's bullshit. Well, yeah, don't no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. And don't that give has me no DUI reasoning when you have the fucking Uso brothers still on fucking TV as champions every week. But when that's a big star versus someone just coming up. But I agree. You know. So. Go ahead. With that being said, though, after she got released, I followed her career to Neil Dashwood. You know, mm -hmm. her amazing match she had at All Out or all in i should say um her career and impact uh her limited time in ring of honor she is a hell of a worker no questions asked i'm conflicted on her match with ronda rousey did ronda have to cheat to beat her yes but is it still like her going over clean because she won with an armbar? You don't think so? She cheated. I, I think I think too much too much emphasis in the last couple of years, the last decade or so, has been like, oh, tapping out is so much worse than a pin. No, it's not. No, I, I no, I agree with you. Because if you actually get into a fight, you can submit somebody. Easier than you, you could pin somebody, them. Yeah, have you ever seen anybody get pinned in a UFC fight? Right. So, it, it, that's where the conflict for me comes in at, because it's a loss your first night back in the company. Obviously, if they gave you kind of... But her first back know, night... Her first night... Uh, look at me saying words backwards. Her first night back in the company was against the biggest star they have working right now and the SmackDown Women's Champion on the A1 show that is on broadcast television, SmackDown. So, I don't know, man. I think you're stretching yeah, to try to make a negative out of this. I'm not. I'm just, I have conflicting feelings. And just because those are my feelings doesn't mean they're correct. 
That's just my opinion. A lot of people have a lot of different opinions in this world, and you're all entitled to them. Some people still believe in fucking, you know, Tom Brady as a starting quarterback. He is. Poor man's going through a divorce right now. Give him a break. Yeah, and Zach Wilson's on the rebound. Well, I mean, you know, we got a MILF open up now. One of the hottest in the world, Giselle. I'm sure he's going to make a play. But... Uh, I don't want DiCaprio's used goods. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I'm excited about this. I think it's good. I mean, she's big talent, like you said. She was good. At, she was great at NXT. She had a foul following. I didn't watch NXT a lot back then. Obviously, hell, I barely watch NXT now, and I need to. There's just so much of it, and I've been so busy. So much wrestling that I need to watch, and that NXT usually falls by the wayside. But, um, you know, she, I did watch her in her main roster run and wasn't good. And not that she wasn't good, it just wasn't good. But she's obviously worked on her craft and she's got five years more of experience working around. And now she's back in WWE better than ever. I'm excited to see what she does. I really think this is good. I think I think it was a great return. It was a surprise. Um, I think this is all positives here. Uh, what? I just remembered that I'm a jackass because Tennille Dashwood didn't wrestle at all. And she was on the commentary booth for the knockout women's champion, I believe, championship that was on the line. It was a four-way with Chelsea Green. Um, Jordan Grace I forget the other woman's name and uh, Tessa Blanchard so go and strike that from the fucking record your honor <laughs> continue alright well we're gonna go ahead and continue on to the uh, next topic this one is perhaps a about a future uh, WWE women's star Getting her very first exposure on television, green as she is, Simone Johnson, a.k.a. Ava Rain, makes her WWE debut on NXT as a member of Schism. Uh, we know she's a fourth-generation star, or fourth-generation wrestler. I shouldn't say star yet. She's uh, obviously the her great-grandfather is the High Chief, Peter Maivia. Rocky Johnson, her grandfather, and The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, is her dad. Uh, she joined Schism. That's how she debuted alongside Jagger Reed, Rip Fowler, and the leader, Joe Gacy, who we all love here on the Buckle Bomb Show. What do you think of this debut? And do you think she's got a bright future? Um, so this debut was badass. Yeah. To me, uh, we talk about him in Combat Zone Wrestling and why that could have potentially been uh, him as the White Rabbit. If you notice the mask that they were wearing when they all debuted, kind of harkened a call back to his CZW days. Yeah. Um, as far as the memes for this have been, just fucking A1. You know, the best meme of all time now, when your dad spends... It, when your dad was too busy raising Kevin Hart. 
to pay you attention so you become an emo kid. Oh man, I didn't. I haven't even seen oh. the memes. So. Oh, they're. they're uh, I got. I got to check those out for sure. Um. As long as they're not ragging on. We'll call her Ava. As long as they're not ragging on her. You know, it's just fun. Yeah, it was a. Uh... She hasn't had a match. No. Right? No, she's she's green so as I hell. I'm going to hazard a guess. It, it's far too early. I Like you said, I wish her the best of luck, and I hope she does amazing things in the WWE. I mean, she has a fucking long lineage to, uh, you know, to kind of make proud, and that's a lot of weight on a young person's shoulders. She's only 21, I believe. I don't know exactly her age. She is incredibly young, yes. Um, but think of all the talent that's come and go through WWE for, throughout the years that are multi-generational talents. Uh, unfortunately, Ted DiBiase Jr., uh, one of the Fatus that was in uh, the Randy Orton stable. I forget what the hell they were called. Legacy. The forgotten Fatu that was in Legacy for, I think, like a month and a half. Um, you know, there's so many multi-generational And yet, intri- just ever interesting note, she's the first ever in WWE, the first ever fourth generational wrestler. Plenty of thirds, including The Rock, the Rock obviously. But she's the first ever fourth, which is just wild to think about. Yeah, it's you know it definitely is crazy. Fourth generation. On the other I hand, mean, in that family, fourth geez. generation almost seems like you <laughs> we haven't had a fifth and the sixth yet. Like, well, the thing that I find wild is like you know how much money WWE's made off the backs of these people. I feel like it should just be like once you come out the womb, you're offered a WWE tryout. Uh, right. Yeah. Oh, you're uh. You're part of the NOI flame family? WWE contract right here. Just sign on the dotted line. We got you. But, uh... Are you 18 yet? <laughs> Trust me, it has a whole different meaning to us. Um, I, I did see, in fact, some people tweeting, like, oh, why, why didn't they make her a part of the bloodline? Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't get me wrong. Her, her, the bloodline could probably use... A female, and that would be great if she had literally any experience on TV, much less in the ring on TV. Uh, but I did see some people saying that, which was kind of fun. But obviously, I think this this is better, and I liked the little promo she cut. It was just a couple of lines, and then the group hug. Um. And she, she didn't, it wasn't, even though they, we were calling her Ava Rain, she didn't shy away from the fact everyone's going to know who she is. It's like, oh, hey, the schism has given me, what the schism has given me defies any notions of who I'm supposed to be. It's like, because, you know, I'm, I'm the rock starter. I'm supposed to be this star. Nope. This group, Joe Gacy, what he's given me is more important than that. And I love that. I love that little line. It was just a couple of lines, and then yeah, great stuff. It was an, it was an awesome promo, but I will say this, and I know it's not a Triple H production anymore. 
It's more of a Shawn Michaels production. Yeah. But uh, two peas in a pod when it comes to thought process. Uh, NXT in general has always been really, really good at making you believe that you are meeting these wrestlers for the first time. Uh, you know, look at Kevin Owens when he signed. Uh, you know, a lot... He was the reason why a lot of people watched Ring of Honor. Uh, Kevin Steen, Panda Enthusiast. Uh, same way with Sami Zayn. I mean, of course, you know, they don't shut... In NXT, they didn't ever shy away from their past. Roderick Strong's another one. Uh, Cassie Sono, Chris Hero. A lot of people knew who these people were from the indies. Yeah. Uh, but something in the way NXT would do it they would totally make you forget that, you know, they were ever something different somewhere else, and it would be. But really they would still incorporate that history, and that was they would. That was one of the advantages never, of NXT, especially back at that time, was that it was hey, the hardcores are who are watching this show, especially when it was only on the never, network before it was on TV. Like, you never like turned on an NXT takeover show though, and hear a crowd start chanting Tommy End or Ghosting Go or El Generico chants. You never heard that because they would debut them in an impactful manner. They would make them key players right out the gate. And they would just be so amazing. Well, because the the quote-unquote gimmick worked. So, yeah. you know, you don't have the douchebag in the back going, hey, that's not... Husky Harris, Husky Harris, Husky... No, you, you didn't need that. Yeah. Because he was Bray fucking Wyatt, and we all knew that. And yeah, okay, we knew he was Husky before, but we like what they're doing now. We don't need to... We don't need to chant his previous gimmick to try and take over the show because we love what he's doing now. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, and hopefully... Hopefully we get to a point here with Ava Rain where she is her own person. And hopefully that's this is the start of that. Where we don't think of her as Simone Johnson. We think of her as Ava Rain, A wrestler in her own right. Uh, Alright. And the greatest part of it is though, if I can't say one last thing. The greatest part of this is they addressed the elephant in the room. They nipped it in the butt on yeah. day one. Now it's time to move on and get used now, to it. Now it's time to build her. And, and the schism is new. And obviously you've got uh, Jagger Reed and Rip Fowler, who recently had a name change. They just came over from NXT UK, former NXT UK World uh, Tag Team Champions. So, you know, Joe Gacy is kind of... It's weird. Joe Gacy is the guy there that's the star in that group. And he's the leader. And he's got guys under him. And now someone completely green and brand new under him who you know hopefully you can build up into something all right we'll go ahead and move on to the next topic we're talking third in a row here another female wrestler which is fantastic could chelsea green be coming back to the wwe uh there's been a couple of reports this week uh First coming from PW Insider that WWE is very interested in bringing Chelsea Green back to the WWE. Um, We do know on this week's episode of Impact Wrestling, uh, 
Chelsea Green said she wanted to make uh, she wanted to end Mickey James once and for all. Now, for the rest of this topic, there's going to be spoilers for next week's Impact taping that has already been taped. Um, we do know that Mickey James and Chelsea Green had a match. Loser leaves Impact, and Chelsea Green lost. So there's a lot of speculation now that we could very soon see Chelsea Green in the WWE. Are you for this? Are you excited about this? And I don't want one mention of Zack Ryder in your first response. WWE's partnership with GCW confirmed. <laughs> and of course, I would never mention Zack Ryder when it comes to this because... Like Simone Johnson, Zack Ryder is dead and in the past. Okay? You know he comes back to WWE. That's going to be his name. It's not going to be Matt Cardona. No, he's always going to be the deathmatch king, Matt Cardona. Okay? But Chelsea Green is a great talent. She just absolutely just fucking crushes it. Um, Very meaningful wrestler like she's about about it she's a big of a wrestling history nerd as her husband is so like she's not out there like fucking faking it like you know I think the thing and I don't think we've ever talked about this before but I think something that's gonna hurt wrestling in the future is this uh NIL deal that WWE has with college athletes a lot of these people are just looking for jobs after. They're not really into professional wrestling. Granted, Brock Lesnar is one of the best wrestlers in the last I would argue years. it's the opposite, but continue. We can talk about that in a minute. Okay, yes, you can build the passion for it. But if the passion's not there from the start, you're never actually get. It's going to take you more time, I believe, to reach that next level. But... Chelsea Green is not that. Chelsea Green is passionate. She has a skill set. Um, arguably, her matches are far more entertaining than her husband's if you don't like outlaw bunch show wrestling like Bobby. Um, but, yeah, no. And her promo work, her mic skills, second to fucking none. Second to none. And in, in a female division? Absolutely. Uh, Agreed. She literally... Got the biggest pops from the GCW crowd when Cardona was on a GCW show. Like, it was Chelsea Green getting most of the heat. And Cardona piggybacking off of her. Yeah. So, yeah. I I fucking hope she gets a shot in WWE, and I hope she's one of the next women's champions. I mean, she has been in the WWE, but obviously she was let go a few years ago. Uh I think this has been five years for her as well, if I'm not mistaken. But she's gone on a run here with Impact and with, uh, you know, being all over the place. Say it. GCW. Uh, and, yeah, uh, being, you know, uh, Matt Cardona's valet as well, obviously. Uh, and, look, I love Matt Cardona as a wrestler. I don't like the deathmatch bullshit. I think... He, as a good wrestler, has pulled some good stuff out of those bullshit matches. That being said, we can talk about that in the next topic. But, uh, yeah, uh, Green 
again, is talent, good talent, and putting her on WWE. Again, adding talent is always good. You can never have too much talent. And Bullshit. <laughs> and adding Chelsea Green to that... It's only it only becomes too much because fans are really like, why isn't this person getting pushed? Look at how good she is. Well, look at the talent that's already up here. You know, how how are we gonna push her? We can push her, we can try, but how is she gonna reach that level? And right now, quite frankly, WWE's women's division is stacked, absolutely stacked, and we got people on the bench, and it's still stacked. Stacked. Stacked, but limited due to people being on the bench. Uh, stacked in now, spite of that, in my feeling. Like, you know, Becky Lynch comes back and she's to... immediately the biggest star they've got other than maybe Ronda. So. Wait, hold on a second. Is this potentially one of the mystery opponent, mystery partners for damage control in the women's war games match? It would make sense. She's a hell of a heel. Maybe. But uh, just to kind of go, not to go too far off topic, but if you would have told me that going into November of 2022, I would be talking so much shit about AEW, I would have told you you were fucking stupid, but here we are. AEW just buying up talent for the sake of buying up fucking talent so they can't go to WWE. If you look at how many people are actually contracted to AEW and Ring of Honor, despite there's no Ring of Honor deals for streaming or television yet. You would look at that roster and be like, you could probably make six companies of really good weekly wrestling action with the amount of people on their roster. Well, you know, I don't know about that specifically. We do know WWE was doing that for a while. And then we went, oh my God, we got all these people and we have nothing to do with them, especially during a pandemic. Let's start cutting people. But I think at the same time, AEW, and again, we're getting off topic, AEW, as a starter company, had a lot of talent that really wasn't all that talented. Uh, maybe some of them had made a little bit of a scene here and there, got had a name somewhat on the indies. But, you know, as far as becoming a national tv star on wrestling they didn't have much of a shot they weren't good enough to do that but they needed bodies they needed people on tv and as some of these names started getting released from wwe oh yeah i'll take i'll take this person and i'll take that person and i'll take this person and suddenly for a little while AEW's roster is really bloated and there were certain people that were really pushed and significant on AEW tv that suddenly disappeared because now you had actual stars uh, or potential stars being put on AEW TV. And now we're, we're in this weird position now where WWE's getting people back and the morale is shift where the AEW locker room morale, eh, it's, it's building back up after Punk has seemingly killed it. Whereas the WWE locker room post Vince McMahon the morale is, by all accounts, the best it's been in a couple of decades. So, and I think this is just a part of that. Chelsea Green 
why wouldn't she want to come back to WWE? You've got a stacked women's division. You can jump into that, have fantastic matches with numerous women, and try and try and build up and get to a a big match there. To say nothing of her husband coming back. Alexa Bliss versus Chelsea Green. Yeah. Bianca Belair versus Chelsea yeah. Green. Nikita Lyons versus Chelsea Lovick. I mean, the the matches are there for her to have against a lot of really great women's wrestlers that she hasn't faced. Well, let me let me ask you this: Do you think they bring her back to the main roster immediately, or do you think she's back in NXT? Main roster, main, main roster immediately. And I don't think it's necessarily. And don't get me wrong, I did absolutely say she's very talented. But I don't necessarily think it's because she's super talented and they're just like, oh, she has all the experience. I think it's truly because for as stacked as the main roster's female division is, they're not exactly uh, full strength, if you know what I mean. Right. A lot of injuries. The injury bug has worn out the women's division. So now we're being forced to see the same matches week after week again from the women's division. Just something I thought we were out of. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like we are. So, somebody like Chelsea Green coming through, by all means. All right. Uh, Well, let's ask the people watching right now. Let us know in the comments down below, what do you think? Of Chelsea Green coming back to WWE. Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think she'll do well? Are you not so excited for it? Let us know. Um, The next topic here is the topic that you asked for last week. Uh, There were reports that GCW... And, well, let's... Let's backtrack what I just said a little bit. There were tweets, specifically by Joey Janela, that seemed to be kind of fun and ingest tweets... They got a lot of people talking. And then Meltzer, kind of in an offhand comment during uh, his podcast or one of his audio shows, uh, mentioned that something about a GCW-WWE relationship, which blew up and got disseminated everywhere. Um, And a lot of people, quite frankly, laughed at Meltzer. Because, hey, look at Meltzer. And we all know Meltzer, grain of salt. We all, a lot of people laughed at Meltzer because he took these joke tweets by Joey Janela and maybe made a story out of it that wasn't actually there. And that seems to be the, as we sit right now, that seems to be what everyone believes of this story. There is no actual relationship between GCW and WWE. It's, it was kind of blown up and there's been some fun tweets and it's more of a joke. Tell me why that's not true. All right, so yes, Joey Janela is possibly ribbing. There's no question about it. Despite the fact that he keeps saying that Brett Lauderdale needs, he needs his paycheck from Brett Lauderdale. So he's going to do what Brett tells him to do. Uh, despite, you know, the GCW Twitter account actually 
retweeting Joey Janela's longest episodic weekly television tweet. Um, there's just a few other things that make me believe that there could be some truth to this. Uh, one of those things being little uh, fan favorite on the indies known as Electric Fantastic Fuck You, also known as Effie. He has a podcast, or I guess he Twitch streams a show every Monday night with Raw called Monday Not Raw. I believe it's Twitch, yeah. Extremely, extremely critical of WWE in the past. And now all of a sudden, out of the blue, he does a complete and total about face on it and has said nothing but positive. Are we all that way, though? That kind of coincides with all of us being, hey, WWE's been a little better. No. No, because... We actually call the bullshit when we see bullshit. Do we oh, not? absolutely. Yeah, it, th- this isn't that, my friend. He's been over the top with this it? This is WWE bootlicking. Okay. Uh, there's also, you know, Nick Gage. Uh, disappointingly, in my opinion, starting to clean up his wrestling style a little bit, which has been fucking weird to watch. Really? I haven't I don't know Nick Gage to ever have actually wrestled a match. All he does is his bullshit. All right, you know what? Let me say this right now, okay? And fucking We were texting back and forth earlier about the fucking Uncle Huggy Funny or whatever the fuck his name was, the Bray Wyatt character. And how oh it's bullshit, it's over the top, is what you're telling me. Wrestling is Subjective. Oh, 100%. Wrestling is technical. Wrestling is lucha. Wrestling is violent. Wrestling is hardcore. Wrestling is gay. Fuck you, Ryback. The point Wrestling is... Wrestling is art, as you said. Art is always is subjective. at the end of the day. So, yes, Nick Gage has wrestled many, many matches. I'll go with the grave on that one. Ugh. I've never even been able to get through one. And it's not because of the violence. It's because of... It's just... It's terrible. It's... It's not put together well. You know, I... I, I Don't get me wrong. I can watch hardcore match. I can watch a bloody violent match. But when the storytelling goes through its progression accurately, and it's not just... Quite frankly, and I think I said this to you in a message... It's nothing more than how I think of a Young Bucks match. It's just a bunch of flippy shit. And it's spot after spot after spot. It's just instead of the spots being high-flying off ladders and shit, it's, you know, it's pizza cutters to the fucking forehead. And light tubes and this and that. By the way, Domino's really screwed the pooch on a great fucking promotion (laughs) deal with that. Yeah, I don't know about that one. I think Domino's did the right thing. We don't want to be associated with this shit, but, you know, to each his own. Listen, no matter what you say, at the end of the day, Chris Jericho said that wrestling Nick Gage was one of the most fun matches he's ever wrestled in his life. And that guy is literally the walking, breathing goat of professional fucking wrestling right now for a 30-year career. So I think his opinion kind of trumps everything that we kind of talk about in this bullshit world, you know? Hey, look, obviously his opinion means more than yours or mine, 100%. Um, his, his opinion has gone down in... Oh, that's uh, We don't need to talk about Chris Jericho here. But 
Uh, yeah. Let's just talk about the logistics of a potential relationship between WWE and GCW. Why would WWE want to, as a publicly traded company, get in bed with GCW? Why would they... use that word with such a crutch. <laughs> it's not a crutch. It's just a fact. You have to you 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 have advertisers to worry about. You have stockholders to worry about. You can't be going there when you've been in every shareholder meeting and every shareholder call when you've called AEW blood and guts, and even in the Triple H regime, you've said, "Yeah, uh, you know, I, I like the old school wrestling, but that blood stuff we just don't need to do in these days." Why are you going to be getting in bed? With a company that is literally known as a deathmatch company. For the same reason. And look, put the publicly traded bullshit aside. Okay? For the same reason that Saturday morning cartoon WWE got in bed with ECW in the early 90s. That was all under the table. And maybe maybe there is an under the table relationship going on there. But why would you want that public? Why wouldn't you want that public? Because the thing about it is, man, I think I because think it makes you look like a fucking hypocrite. Part. No, it doesn't. Oh, WWE, that's railed against blood. There's no blood allowed on their program, unless it's Hardaway. And okay, well, I'm not saying though you're gonna get a fucking Nick Gage match on Monday. No, of course Night not. Raw. I know you're not. What saying I'm that. saying is though, is you're probably gonna get like. More of like a speedball Mike Bailey or a Blake Christensen match on Monday Night Raw or NXT. Because there's a lot more to GCW than just deathmatch. And there was to ECW, especially early on. We all know about Eddie and Ray and Chris Benoit and all that stuff. But, you know, again, from a... And at this point... And by the way, then the WWF was not a publicly traded company. Traded company. Yes, and that has that has no, that has quit, a meaning. It's not a crutch. That that quit has meaning. It's very specific. You have you have a. Okay, but you still think CM Punk's gonna come back to WWE a publicly traded company, knowing the guy is fucking toxic backstage? That's if a very a different thing. I don't. It's not about that something company. that's that's not something that's being on TV. That that's something you can turn into a storyline, or that's something that that is backstage and has nothing to do with what's being presented as story on TV. You start putting you start putting you start putting blood on TV, or even being associated with a company that is known for blood and guts. When you've said to your shareholders, "That's a thing we don't want to be associated with." vehemently time and time and time again and you've got sponsors that literally we were thinking about going pg or tv 14 but nope our sponsors were too worried about them we're sticking with pg despite having to sometimes censor our fans going holy shit like I'm sorry. There's, there's no way. I'm not saying there could never be a relationship. I'm just saying it's never going to be a relationship that's on TV. Here's the thing: Is there deathmatch wrestling in GCW? 
Absolutely. That's what they're known for. Literally, look at the yeah. logo that's on my no, screen right here. They are known. Okay. ECW's logo was fucking barbed yeah. wire. There wasn't barbed wire in every fucking match. But that was literally in the lead up. No, of course not. I'm not saying there is. I'm saying that's what I'm saying There's that's not what blood GCW, in every GCW That's what match. GCW is known for. I'm not saying they have every single match of theirs is garbage. I'm saying there's a perception. I'm saying it doesn't even have to be reality. I'm saying there's a perception among fans, and that would get to sponsors. Why are you pairing up with this company that is na- that is known for this bloody, gruesome, garbage stuff? In today's Listen, world, why would difference. you open yourself up why would you even open yourself up to that kind of 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 criticism? There's no reason for WWE to at all. You know what the fucked up thing is about the difference between reality and perception? The perception that GCW is just deathmatch wrestling, but the reality is that Pat Patterson molested ring boys in the 70s and he still had a fucking career with WWE until he died. But we ain't going to talk about that one, though. Huh. I mean, come on. I think, honestly, at the end of the day, publicly traded companies, fucking shareholders, the whole nine, it's all bullshit. It is literally 100% all fucking bullshit. And you're right. Because of that, I don't think there would ever truly be a fucking functional relationship between GCW and WWE. Like you said, it would have to be kind of like an under-the-table kind of Agreed. deal. But all I'm saying is, is for the people who don't know what GCW is, and you start seeing some of these names appearing on NXT or whenever they get the UK set back up, some people aren't going to know these, but they're going to be over like fucking Rover when they show up. You'll know it's because they came from GCW. I guarantee we're going to start seeing that within the next year. Hmm. If not, it's going to be a PC deal. That's the other thing I can see. Sure. Do I do I think there could be some sort of agreement between GCW and WWE? Sure. I'm not saying there isn't. It's not. It's not something that's ever going to manifest on TV directly. Could there be some sort of thing where WWE is sending money to GCW like they used to to ECW? Because hey. Maybe they can pull some ratings from WCW. Maybe GCW can pull some of the hardcores off of AEW TV. Who knows? Could that be a thing? Could it not? Eh. And with that said, that goes into my other theory about why this is an actual relationship. It makes no sense. There's no plausible reason in my fucking head that I can think of to pull all of your talent from being allowed... Remember when AEW started, one of the cruxes that fucking Tony Khan preached up and down was professional wrestlers are independent contractors, but they deserve health care, and they deserve to be able to work for whatever company they want to work with. Remember that was like his fucking rally cry to suck all the wrestlers' dicks again to sign on the sure. dotted line? And now all of a sudden you're doing the thing that you were rail- railing against? By the way... You were so adamant about getting your fucking wrestlers off GCW television that your AEW champion was the GCW champion at the time. 
and they had to fucking throw a Hail Mary and have a sloppy fucking match between Mox and Nick Gage to get the fucking title off of Mox. Because they had no time to fucking breathe or tell a fucking story. It was like one of those kind of day of like, I don't know what the fuck to do with my hands, so I guess I just gotta drop this quick deals. So, that's the other reason why I believe that there is something there. And not, you know, it's fun to juxtapose and fuck around and say that we're going to get a GCW invasion storyline, but we all know that's not the really no. the case. It's most likely going to be a PC deal where they're going to have some of the younger, newer GCW wrestlers go to the PC and in exchange for that, if WWE likes that talent, they'll get to use them on NXT shows and things of that nature. Too. But again, let me ask you this. We brought this up earlier. In a situation where you could be entering into some sort of agreement with a company that, regardless of what you think of GCW and what I think of GCW, can make you look bad publicly, or you can enter into a very similar agreement with Billy Corgan and the NWA, why would you choose GCW? Why not choose both because GCW and NWA work together? My feeling is why choose either because you have your own PC. Whereas AW absolutely should be trying to have a relationship with some of these smaller companies because you need talent and you need to develop talent. They and you've have, got they've got they Ring of Honor and, and sure, and that could definitely oh. be one. But they, they literally invest a bunch of money in QT Marshall's school be there right and there you go but and that's one way but you want you also want a place for these people to get on tv so and to get some experience doing that uh that was that was one of the biggest problems with early AEW television was a lot of these people had never been on proper television wrestling television and so and knowing it's one thing to be able to be in the ring and wrestle and wrestle a good match even and it's another thing knowing okay that's my hard cam Here's my handheld guy. Here's my other handheld guy. And I've got these other... I've got my jib right there floating around looking at me and being able to sort of try and wrestle a match for the cameras as opposed to just a live audience. You know, so... I think the other part is, though, that we have ignored... You know, yeah, WWE has their own developmental yada, yada, yada. Do you think that there's still a small possibility that with, you know, we're coming out of the Me Too movement and the Speak Up movement that affected professional wrestling exclusively, do you think maybe just in light of this whole Vince McMahon thing, WWE's exploring options of partnerships with other companies as a make good kind of deal? Like, hey, we know our fans fantasy book all these fucking matches. Let's see what we can do about giving it something. Let's see what we can do about having Kenta show up on Raw and pin Carl Anderson for the Never Openweight Championship. Let's see Kazuchika Okada come in and have probably a six-star match with Roman Reigns. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. You need to forget what kind of shitty fucking year or shitty start to the year WWE had. 
And don't get me wrong, Triple H is doing a really good job at it. But there's always ways to actually hit the fucking Men in Black memory wipe. For sure. You always have to remember from a WWE perspective, what is truly my advantage here? What is what is the goal here? And what, what does it do? Okay, yeah, sure, I can have this interpromotional match with a company that the hardcores will love. But what does that do for my ratings overall for the general audience that I'm trying to get? The hardcores are already more or less watching. I need to try and draw on other people. And is an, is Kenta coming over really gonna 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 bring that audience? No. So that's always gonna be W. And I'm not saying you can disagree with me on that, but that's WWE's outlook. At least it has been traditionally for them. And I don't disagree with that. No, it absolutely. It absolutely has been because I will tell you right now, you know this, I'm more of an indie wrestling guy. Yeah. And until we started this, I can't, I couldn't tell you the last time I watched Raw before that. Yeah. Like, you know, loved having the WWE Network, Peacock's fucking hot trash, but you know, at least with the network, you got to keep up with every pay-per-view and things of that nature. So you were kind of still in the loop because let's face it, nothing good ever happened unless it was on a pay-per-view because Raw and SmackDown were hot garbage right up until they redid the drafts, the brand split, and they started talking smack and Raw talk. Like the OG one with Daniel Bryanson talking about James Ellsworth's big hawk. So... There is that large audience of hardcore professional wrestling fans that I still truly believe until this day with things like fandom tribalism and things of that nature. Yeah. WWE is looking into all possibilities to try and get some of those AEW viewers back. Those ones who are strictly, I'll never watch WWE again. Fuck Vince McMahon and everything he did. Fuck Nick Khan. Fuck Stephanie. Fuck Triple H. Well, wait a second. Kenta was on AEW. He tagged with... He wrestled against John Moxley. Now he's going to be on WWE Raw? I, I got to check this out. And just like that, boom, you got a million Maybe. viewers. Uh, be far from a million. But you could, you could, you could bring some what, eyes to it. What did Dynamite do last week? Just under a million. 997,000, if I'm not mistaken. Was it two weeks ago they hit a 2 million viewer mark? Did they hit 2 million? I don't... Yeah, recently. Very recently. Hmm. But, um... To your point there, about getting an AEW audience, one way they could really... It might be a million. Is if they were to win the... Oh, the contract negotiations. She's, my mind's blanking here on the word. I had this great, fantastic segue into the next topic. The uh, bidding war of bidding 2024. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Now I screwed up my segue here. But the bidding war of 2024, if they were able to get MJF 
on their team, I think that would pull over a lot of AEW people. Speaking of MJF, I'm just going to move on with this segue as if it were perfect. Is he turning babyface on Dynamite TV right now? He just got beat up by the firm and put through a table on Dynamite. And a report came out a couple of days ago that there are people backstage within AEW that think he should turn babyface. Though it's also been reported that MJF wants nothing to do with that. He wants to stay heel. What do you think's going on here? Is he turning babyface? I think MJF is staying heel. No chance you're turning MJF babyface. What does a babyface MJF look like? Yeah. Yes, he's conflicted right now. Absolutely. But you have nobody who does kayfabe better in professional wrestling right now than MJF. He is Maxwell Jacob Freeman on podcast meetings, sign signings, anything. He's that fucking guy. He's that guy on airplanes. Like, he'll literally get off an airplane and be like, I just sit next to this fat fucking slob that smelled like KFC and was drooling all over himself the entire flight. And nine times out of ten, it was a fan that was scared to talk to him, and they see it, and they respond to it. It's Honestly, I don't know if somebody has this fucking Twitter account, but somebody needs to make it of fans realizing that MJF is talking about them in his tweets. Because when you see it in the comments, it's one of the funniest fucking things ever. <laughs> but that's besides the point. Yes, MJF is conflicted right now, but there is no babyface MJF that does not work. I'm not gonna. I, I will refuse to say it won't work because I'm sure MJF is so incredibly talented. Talented, he will make it work. But I agree with you. The, I think I think a babyface MJF would be a mistake. He's so good, yes, at one of the only, if not the only, that not only keeps kayfabe, but, damn, he makes you believe it. He's an asshole. Flicking off kids at signings and, Jesus, how do you make that a baby face and not betray the character? Is would be it be a juggling act to say the least. He gets pops because he's a star. People want to see him. Yes, but just because he gets pops when his, you know, in modern day wrestling, just because he gets a pop when the first few notes of his song plays. Oh my God, we're seeing a big star, MJF, especially in AEW. Where big stars are, and it's far and away AEW's biggest homegrown star. Where are you getting your crack at? Sorry. Where, I mean, sure, there are people, there's Christian, and there's, you know, and you've had CM Punk around, and hey, by the way, best feud AEW ever had. And the worst part of Brawl Out was that we didn't get part two, which we were about to get. But... You just named two WWE guys when talking about... Well, I'm talking... Yeah! Great talent. I I didn't say great talent. I said big stars. There's a difference. One of them's not even a fucking wrestler anymore. He manages a goddamn dinosaur. And the second one's on the unemployment line. Okay. 
and another so, no. big another not a big star, star on TV right now. Okay, we got Omega coming back. Who else? Moxley. Okay, uh, they're having a match here. That triangle. I know you don't like them, the best friends and Orange Cassidy. Regardless of your opinion, no, there's no big stars. Are you kidding me? Opinion. No. Uh, Based on public perception, the... absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Not even close. Big stars? No way. Absolutely That's just like not. Your opinion, man. Absolutely not. The acclaimed stars. I'll give that to you. The acclaimed, absolutely. Oh. What kind of whore fucking logic is this that the acclaimed are stars more so than Orange Cassidy? Yeah. The acclaimed actually can wrestle, first off. They can get in the ring and move. And I'm not maybe maybe Orange Cassidy can, but his bullshit that he does and what a lot of the friends do, it's not wrestling, it's they're they're mocking wrestling. And maybe they think they're going in there and they're having a good time and they're entertaining the fans. From my perspective, they're mocking wrestling. And but, that's, again, the two different viewpoints you and me offer on this show yeah. together. However, I think there is an aspect to this to get back on topic that is being overlooked. And it was, truth be told, one of the things that I used to think when I was younger that that line didn't really need to be there. It could have been blurred a little bit. But I think Tony Khan AEW is making much ado about nothing because they are literally the company that bought the contracts to a bunch of professional wrestlers despite being in a heel faction or baby faces everywhere else around the fucking globe. Just because you have a heel or a baby face next to your name doesn't mean you're going to get that crowd reaction. John Cena's been a babyface his entire goddamn career since his U.S. title run, and everybody fucking hates the guy. And, and I mean, until a few years ago, he's a big star. He comes yeah. out now, people are happy to see them. And, of course, things like Peacemaker that he's done outside of WWE is a big part of that. Actually, but but I'm so talking sick of him. He when he was a full-time wrestler. wrestler, people were so sick of him, and yet he could still turn him. Especially if he, especially if he was in there, with and that was the talent of John Cena, you could still turn the crowd. Even the people that were booing him, sometimes you just had to go, "God damn, I hate this guy. I hate seeing him so much, and I hate this fucking millionth John Cena Randy Orton match." But he's making me cheer for him. Jesus. MJF's the same way though. Yeah, as a heel. Yeah. You're happy to see MJF come out, but the second you give a microphone in his hand and you say, do your thing, this is your craft, teach us, almighty master, and he starts shitting on your hometown and the fat fuck in the third row. Agreed 100%. He will fucking... But with that being said, though, Roman Reigns is currently like that in WWE as well, where despite the fact that he's listed as the number one heel on SmackDown when the bloodline comes out and it's not just Roman it, part of it also Sammy. has to do with Sami Zayn part of it also has but again, to do with the Roman and, and we're going to talk game. about this in quick jabs for sure but Roman's a star absolutely and so when you hear that music kick up it's like yes I'm seeing a star and on SmackDown on Friday night 
hey, acknowledge me. And everyone cheers and acknowledges him. And he's a heel. And I've railed on that, like, for say, for Seth Rollins. I hate the fact that part of his gimmick as a heel is to get everyone to sing along with him. To me, that's dumb. But, but for Roman Reigns in that instance, it's, hey, it, to me, it works better because, yeah, acknowledge me and everyone cheers. All right. And it kind of works because he's taken Sami Zayn's side. So, hey, they're going to cheer for him a little bit, too. And again, this is this is for another... T- this is a subject we're going to get to in quick jabs. But, you know, down the line, you have to imagine him and Sami Zayn are going to butt heads. And when that happens, they're going to boo the fuck out of Roman Reigns once again. Oh, yeah. But, you know, and yeah, here it's MJF, but reverse. They'll cheer him. Or not reverse, but they'll cheer him. But yeah, he can make them go... You, you can he can get anyone to boo the fuck out of him, and his fiance on Twitter. Yeah, we fought, so I drew this picture of Moxley. Like it's it's fantastic stuff always with him, and I've never seen a bad promo. I've never seen a bad segment, and never seen a bad MJ. The fact match. that his fiance's the fact that his fiance's in on the fucking rib too. And just goes full leans into it. It's fucking beautiful, man. I love it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, now, that being said, we don't think he should turn babyface. Neither one of us. Do you Do you think no. he will? Do you think this... No. Whatever's happening here with the firm? This is going to be a true testament to Tony Khan's... I, it's not going to be a testament because... Like we talked about in the last segment, Tony Khan's ironclad words mean absolutely nothing. Um, but he has said that MJF has full creative control over himself. They can want him to turn babyface all they want, but unless MJF agrees to it, they're not going to do it. With that being said, it's still Tony Khan's company. Right. You have to play by the rules or else you're not on TV. Well, we know, hey, they've had their clashes. But. Absolutely. All right. Well, let us let us know what you think. Will MJF turn babyface? Should he turn babyface? Let me know. I want to know. I want to have a conversation with you guys down in the comments. All right. That'll do it for our main topic. So we'll go ahead and move on to our quick jabs here. And a few things I wanted to talk about. I got a few. Again, it's been a big week. We missed you last week. It's been a big week of stuff. I want to talk about... Uh, let me pull it up here. First off, this image right here uh, of Zac Efron on set for the movie called The Iron Claw where he is playing Carrie Von Eric. What do you think of this image? Dude, it was literally like... I totally forgot he was playing Kerry Von Eric, and my girlfriend goes, why is Zach Efron getting so built? And I remember last week he was on a podcast, and they were talking about how Marvel's looking for somebody who is like a Zach Efron character. And Zach Efron got pissed off and said, motherfucker, I am Zach Efron. Like, hit me up. <laughs> right. And then 
I actually saw the picture and I was like, why does it look like he's an old school professional wrestler? And that's when I found out that A24 is fucking producing a movie about the Von Erich family. And honestly, dude, I like it. He's even got the little HGH pot, the HGH pot belly going on. Uh, you know, fuck, he looks like a wrestler. He, he doesn't just look like him. a wrestler. He looks like Carrie. He, yeah, he looks re- scary. Fit, like yeah, Carrie. he looks a lot like Carrie here. Um, I don't know if there's a nose prosthetic going on because Carrie had a bit of a big nose. But this this looks yeah scarily like Carrie Von Eric really quite a bit. Uh, it's this looks fantastic. I did I I did know about the movie A twenty four. They're an excellent production company, and I kind of follow movie news too. So this is worlds colliding here for me. Uh, but this yeah this looks really good. I'm excited to see uh, what this movie does and if it's. One thing I don't know and I haven't delved into is the production of the movie and the producers and writers of the movie. Uh, if they've had talks with the Von Erich family or not, how are they going to pull a... Well, let's just put it this way. Sometimes biopics, you know, they fluff things up. There's a lot of tragedy in that family that's really hard to give, to be... to try and, you know, skip over. So obviously this isn't going to be a happy, fun-going movie, but uh, hopefully it delves, it dives deep into some of the tragedy of this film, uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. All right, we will uh, go ahead and move on to the next quick jab I have here. Oh, also this image here was was hilarious and kind of blew up this week in the wrestling world. Um, I don't know if you remember a week or two ago, uh, there was a joke tweet put out that was supposedly the image of the Virgin Mary, and it was it was a similar to this. It was like a 3D sculpt of Lady Gaga, and it kind of blew up. And then this tweet came out, and a lot of people thought it was real. Uh, where scientists at Stanford Uni- University have reconstructed this 3D model of saint joseph uh husband of the virgin mary and of course who does that look like to you none other andre but the funny thing is the funny thing is this is actually a real thing that happened and the actual bust is fucking hilarious because the actual bust looks like goddamn vin diesel (laughs) Uh, i haven't seen the actual bust this this was hilarious because this look up the actual news article and it it and people believed it so much that Twitter had to put down a little thing down here to say, "Hey, this isn't actually real. This is this is just a rendering, a three D rendering of Andre." But still, believable. yeah, believable. I mean, hey, hilarious, hilarious stuff that a lot of people bought it, and just I bought it until I saw. To be honest with you, I thought it was great. I also bought because I saw. I was like, "Why does it look yeah, like Andre?" Exactly. Uh, all right. Uh, the next quick jab I want to talk about, hey, we, we brought it up a little bit. Roman Reigns, the segment with the bloodline on SmackDown on Friday night. My God. Sami Zayn is a national treasure. Got Jay and Roman to pop. Jay especially. Jay just couldn't keep a straight face. And what I love more than anything about this is Roman 
rather than trying to hide his laughter or try to keep going the way they were supposed to go. He played into it. He leaned into it. And even tried to get Jay, hey, it's okay. No, turn back. Look look back at the camera and laugh. It's okay. We'll use this to further the story rather than try and hide it. And when I was watching that, I replayed that bit a couple of times. I'm like, man, we're light years ahead. Do you remember Roman Reigns trying to do a promo when he was with the Shield? Suffering Psychotatch. Like, goodness. Like, he is... He is God-level tier promo ability right now. And Sami Zayn just killing it. You know, one thing I did notice from that promo, and I don't know if it's just kind of like a reach or not, but I was eating before the show, listening to the promo because I had prior engagements last night. And looking down eating, I'm listening to the promo. Is Roman not starting to sound more and more like The Rock every week? I never thought of that. I'll have to listen to his to a promo of his with that in mind. I think he's getting a little more Go back loose. And to he's, he tells Jay I think he's getting a little back. bit more loose. So I can yes. see where you're coming from with that. But I, I never I, I never made that connection. No. But you're right, Sami Zayn's a goddamn national treasure, and he took the bloodline out the fucking Waffle House afterwards. I mean, what a stand-up. Yeah, guy. that that was a video that was a uh, it was a uh, network slash Peacock exclusive that they posted on Twitter and online, and I saw it. I found it literally just before we started recording this show, and I sent it to Tony because it made me bust out laughing. And it's it's apparently after SmackDown on the SmackDown Lowdown show, and. It's a little like, you know, stick interview with the with the bloodline minus Roman and Paul, and and Sammy's like, and you know, Sam Jay's got his fantastic, you know, physical presence where he's just pissed off, especially because Sammy's fucking right there, and but it's a little looser because it's not a live promo, it's just you know a little network exclusive whatever, and. Sami Zayn's like, hey, yeah, actually, we're 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 about to go get some dinner, you know, we're gonna go to um, we're gonna go to the Waffle House, and Jay just goes, and it's great on Jay. It actually, it it it's this is Jay being hilarious. Joe, Jay goes, oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna go to the Waffle. He like he, like, he suddenly forgets that he hates Sami Zayn, and it's just hilarious. Um, go look it up if you can. It's good stuff. Free Waffle House is always a signal. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Sami Zayn said it was on him, so of course, why wouldn't why wouldn't Jay smile to that? Um, the only other little bit of quick jabs that I have is uh, Meltzer let loose this week that he has recorded a commentary track with Bret Hart for the 25th anniversary of Wrestling with Shadows. Uh. What do you think of this news? Is this exciting to you? I mean, yes and no. I I was kind of late to Wrestling with Shadows because it was on Netflix for a while. And admittedly, Bret Hart was never my favorite member of the Hart family. Uh, I still... I'm going to choose my words very carefully. Um, I think he's a fucking crybaby. Yeah. Especially with the uh, news of him wanting, him demanding 
Goldberg gets taken out of the Hall of Fame. Uh, fucking cry me a river, you jerk off. Yeah, he's he's, but, he's definitely. Uh, well, he's a lot like CM Punk. He uh, holds on to his grudges. Let's just put it that way. He, he He's a, a bitter man. With that being said, though, um, it would be interesting to go back and hear Meltzer and Brett discuss uh, Brett being hot mic'd while in that room with Vince McMahon after the Montreal Screen. Yeah. I, I, uh, I watched that documentary... Um, Pretty soon after it came out, I was I didn't start watching wrestling until very late '97, early '98. Bret Hart was always I, I never saw Bret Hart in WWE, WWF. He was already in WCW from my memory. Um, U.S. Champion. I never knew he was a world champion until I saw that documentary, and it was playing on A and E back in the day in like '98, late '98. And I, that was one of the first things I ever saw that showed behind the scenes of wrestling. And I was hooked, and I loved it. And it made me a huge Bret Hart fan at the time and made me like, man, this guy should be a world champion in WCW. Why is he stuck with the WCW stuff? Or with the U.S. Championship stuff in WCW? Um, so, yeah, it's exciting to me. I haven't seen Wrestling with Shadows probably since... Then 99, 2000. Because um, then we got, you know, uh, Beyond the Mat and some other fantastic stuff that really went even further behind the scenes. And now, you know, Kayfabe's just an open door now. But speaking of, uh, have you heard any of the rumor about there possibly being a Beyond the Mat too? I have not. They're just. They're discussing it because of how wildly successful Dark Side of the Ring is. Put on by uh, the same producer, director, Barry Blostein. I don't know if it's going to be the same company or not. Barry Blostein was the director, creator of the first Beyond the Mat. Um, it would only be interesting to me if he were doing it again. Um, because Beyond the Mat is his. I mean, I, don't get me wrong, a documentary like that would be great. But don't call it Beyond the Mat if it's not Blostein. To me, that's that's specifically yeah but yeah i'm down all right any quick jabs you want to bring up i got two and they're the most fucking meaningless quick jabs you're ever going to hear on this show um quick jab number one seth rollins is teasing bringing back the blonde strip oh yeah yeah he was uh tweeting about today and number two, this one actually might bring up debate between you and me. Um, this week, Lacey Evans announced that she has an OnlyFans. Great. I mean, it's another revenue stream, and I'm glad that the WWE, especially now under Triple H, has relaxed that rule under Triple H and Stephanie. Have they? Yeah. Yeah. There are, plenty, there, there are several Oof. other uh, wrestlers that have an OnlyFans already. And that do Twitch streams. Um, she's not even the first. Lacey Evans. Um, I know Lacey Evans isn't the first, but I mean, like within the company. Currently, currently working within the company, she. No, I don't. I, she's not the first to take advantage of the fact that they've relaxed those rules, because some of them but have it's done a Twitch and all that stuff. Company. It's OnlyFans. It's a paywall. That's all it is. It doesn't mean she's going to be putting up nudes. 
Doesn't mean she's not. Like, literally, for you and me and Bomb Media Productions, when, you know, hopefully we get some followers, I would love that if we blow up and get a little big. OnlyFans is a legitimate opportunity for us to have a paywall set up for us where we can put content behind it. OnlyFans has a reputation for what it gets used for a lot because... And that's great. It's a good thing. And I'm glad that they very briefly thought they were going to end that and they didn't. But... Yeah. Uh, I literally just had a friend, shout out Michelle, who made $30,000 from one video on OnlyFans. So, I mean, it's a great fucking revenue stream. It's I'm And it's safe. Super stoked for It's safe. That. It's secure. Uh, and especially yeah. for someone like Michelle. And by the way, if you don't know who we're talking about, keep an eye out. I'm going to have a an announcement video very shortly of what's going on, why this channel is currently called BMP Sports. There's a BMP uh, Pop Explosion channel that currently has some stuff uploaded to it, but that's where Qualified Human will drop, which there may be an interview with the person we're talking about right now, Michelle, uh, will be one of the very first episodes. But, uh, with that being said, though, um, I think we just found the name for this episode. Buckle Bomb Show Goes OnlyFans. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I mean, yeah, like, that would be a good way, you know, and obviously there are different, there's Patreon and there's other stuff. That's all it is. It's a tool. And, yeah. you know, Lacey Evans wants to use that tool to make more money for herself. I've got no problem with that whatsoever. I have no problem with it too, but with a publicly traded company, there are roles in practice, standard in practice. Well, OnlyFans, OnlyFans itself, help. it's known as yeah, okay, people put you know their porn videos on there and stuff like that, but they put it on Twitter too. So, you know, Twitter, Twitter doesn't yeah, have goddamn. content restrictions like that. So. You know, to me, that's I'm that's not an Twitter issue, public, so yeah. especially when you haven't necessarily railed against it. Hell, when uh, Soraya's, you know, that stuff came out, good on WWE didn't go. Oh, we can't we can't have this person on our TV now. When clearly they weren't going to get rid of Xavier either. You know, they're like, no, she's no matter what. And then she had her neck injury, and still it was. No, she's going to be with us. We're going to take care of her. Good on WWE for that. And I've got no problem. I think this is good PR, not bad PR for WWE. Oh, yeah. I just, my only question is, is like, when that video came out, did the, at the time, NXT Women's World Champion just kind of look at the fucking belt and go, the shit. <laughs> Uh, you know what I'm no. talking about. I've seen that images. Title was a I've purposely never watched the video, but I, 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 yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Ugh, all right. Uh, oh. Well, there is actually one, one other thing I wanted to talk about since you weren't here last week. Uh, we're already at just about two hours, so why not go a couple of minutes longer? Uh, last week there was a topic, speaking of women's world champions... Uh, our longest reigning world champion ever who's black 
is Bianca Belair. She uh, is well over 200 days now. The longest before that was Kofi Kingston at 180 days for WWE. Um, And I actually went back and checked last week. There was no black WCW world champion, men or women. I mean, they only had a women's title for like five minutes. Uh, But there was no black world champion there longer. Ron Simmons? Ron Simmons was 120 days. Booker T never held it for that long. Um, And I went back and checked NWA pre-Ted Turner. Never a black world champion that held it for any real length of time. Certainly not 180 days or 200 days. Um, NWA post-WCW. In 2007, Awesome Kong had it, the NWA women's title for about three years. And then in 2016, the first women's champion under Billy Corgan was Jazz for about three years. Um, No men's NWA champion pre or post WCW has ever held it for more than uh, Bianca Belair has held her world championship. What do you think of this uh, accomplishment? History making. I'm going to choose my words very carefully. I think it's bullshit. And hear me out. Not saying Bianca Belair isn't one of the greatest wrestlers in the company because clearly she fucking is. She has literally put the women's division on her back. And this is dating to last SummerSlam when Becky Lynch came back. Big star. Absolutely. What I hate and I absolutely detest this, and I will stand on this hill and die on this hill. If you are the greatest, you are the greatest. There is no need to categorize anybody by their race, because at the end of the day, we are all fucking human. That is bottom line, and this is just my opinion. This doesn't, you know, this isn't the opinion of Bobby, this isn't the opinion of Bob Media, this is my opinion. We put each other in these boxes for what? What's the purpose of putting us in a box? If you're great, you're fucking great. Bianca Belair is obviously fucking Agreed. great. But we don't need to say she's great as a black person. She is great as a fucking human. It's not about saying she's great as a black person. It's about saying, hey, these are accomplishments that are happening now because they weren't happening before. And hey, they're starting to happen now. And this probably should have happened a long time ago. We're not saying she's great because of this. We're saying this is a great thing that is happening that probably should have happened a long time ago. That's what I think this is about. Not saying that she's great because she's a black female champion. The fact that she's a black female champion is just a part of why she's great. But... And we'll agree to disagree because I don't think she's great. Her race has anything to do with her being great. She is just fucking great and I will even say this about Bianca my opinion about her has changed 180 from before the SummerSlam show I truly think she may she has potential to be one of the best women's wrestlers in WWE in the last 20 years agreed 20 years plus let's go back to the fucking 70s back when women's wrestlers were actually wrestlers in WWE and not just fucking eye candy that's the kind of potential I see in Bianca Belair. Her stardom has every opportunity to eclipse, you know, the popularity mainstream of the Bella Twins. It has every opportunity 
to technically eclipse the capabilities of a Charlotte or a a Becky Lynch in the ring. Agreed. In my opinion, she's already outshined Sasha Banks. You know? Mm -hmm. So, historically, has WWE dropped the ball? If you want to get... If you want to go into the side of things which you were saying about, then we'll go with that side because historically WWE has dropped the ball with black female wrestlers. The one I can think of right off the top of my head is Naomi. She should have been world champion way fucking longer than she was. She was so goddamn over with the fucking entrance and the fucking merchandise. How the fuck do you drop the ball on merchandise like that, WWE? Oh, wait, that's right. This is the same company that dropped the fucking Fiend, and they were having people spend $6,000 on a replica belt and not thinking twice about it. So, yes, historically, they've dropped the ball there. But, in my opinion, again, just my opinion, leaving race out of it is for the better because I think it just creates more division. And that's just that's I will my opinion. only disagree with you there. It's not about creating division. It's not about separating her reign from other reigns or separating the fact that she's black from, you know, whoever else has held the belt. It's about recognizing the accomplishments of people whose accomplishments haven't been recognized very much before or who haven't even had that many accomplishments because they've been held down. It's not about dividing them out and saying, hey, they're they're great because they're black. It's about saying, hey, they're great too. Does that make sense? Again, I'm going to agree to disagree with you on that one, man. I, I, I don't think that's what it's about. That's, that's absolutely I, I, I what it's about. Don't. 100% what it's about. I, again, agree to disagree, man. I, I can't buy into the fact that you can't just all have... You can't all just be in the same bubble. Like, I understand it's, being It's not that she's not in the same America, bubble, but, but you know, when you have a history in this country, you know, and, again, I don't like to get political, but it's a topic I brought up. When you have a history in this country that that is what it is, and there's there's no disputing that, recognizing those accomplishments doesn't mean... It, it divides them out from everything else. It means, hey, here we are. It's about proving that, hey, they they belong as well. It's not about saying, hey, this is a great black champion. It's saying, hey, this is a great champion. Isn't she great? She's the best that we've ever had as a black person. That's fantastic. See, You're recognizing that. There's the caveat as the black person. When that shouldn't even be a fucking factor in this. Why not? Because okay. if it's so if it's not if it's not dividing her out, why not? She's still a, a fantastic champion. We both agree on that. Why is the caveat that she's the greatest black champion somehow demeaning to black people or to people as a whole? Like it, it doesn't take her out of the bubble. It just says, hey, that bubble as a whole is a part of our bubble and should be a part of a bubble, and it didn't used to be. I also think with that being said, you have to look at the times, like we've talked about. America's history hasn't been the greatest. Mm -hmm. 
But if you want to get technical, Africa's history with the slave trade still is not great. To this day, is that not fact? Yeah. All right. So, if you want to start with maybe you're never going to get over, we're never going to be forgiven for what America was when it was started. It was absolutely heinous and horrific. Nobody's disputing that end of it. From Jim Crow era laws to everything to today. The shit that still happens in this country to this day. Is absolutely asinine. We all agree on Mm -hmm. that. From my perspective though. And again, my perspective. Doesn't mean I'm right, doesn't mean I'm wrong. This is just my opinion on it. The second you start bringing race into things. Is that not always the epicenter of division? If only if you think race is an automatic divide, and I don't think it is. Why should it be? I don't believe it is. Then, then why is it a division? Then why is it a division? Bringing up that she's black because it's putting something out there for racists to find a division in. If you say she is the one of the greatest women's champions in professional wrestling history, which she has the fucking potential to be, that is one thing. Agreed. But the second you start saying the greatest Irish women's champion of all time, the greatest black women's champion of all time, the greatest white women's champion of all time, then in my opinion, you are putting people in boxes. In this specific case, no. If you were to say, hey, the greatest white women of all time, or white champion of all time, greatest Irish woman, when when we're talking about a division that has, again, been lowered and not allowed to be at the level of everyone else for so much and for so long a part of this country's history, including, to a certain degree, still today, these... Agree to disagree on these that. accomplishments they need to be recognized I believe they need to be recognized simply for hey for for the fact hey you know we have a black female superstar or a black female superhero or a black female this or that who's done incredible things as an example to the next black female superstar or to this or that who maybe didn't see themselves in something there's a representation thing there's which we're seeing big and is a big divisive thing in the country where people are like oh you're too woke it's there's a whole lot we can get dive deep into that we really as a long episode already and you and i have deep disagreements on this stuff Um, but we love to talk about and we just don't do it on air a whole lot until maybe this channel becomes bigger, I actually do want to do political talk and stuff like that. But uh, it's not good for the YouTube algorithm. Unfortunately for right. smaller you channels, but... Jade Cargill. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest champions in wrestling yeah. today. An undefeated streak compared to the female Goldberg. And not one time has her race ever been brought into her title range. Why? Wait a minute. Uh, by your logic, there, why is why is uh, why did you say female there? Why is she being divided out? 
because there's no men that are fucking women's champion. I'm talking women's. Well, I was talking world champions. That's all we we're talking about with Bianca. World champions, women's or men's. Oh my god! Here, way to go with the gotcha bullshit, Bobby. Cool. Just saying. <laughs> that was so fucking weird. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, but hey, you and I still love each other despite our differences here. And that's the important thing. We want to try and convince the other. We that's don't want to try and shun the other away. Uh, and and um, that's how I, I believe how you make the world better. You don't try and... And I'm not saying I'm anti-canceling people. That's That's canceling whether you believe it's a thing or not is is like again an entirely separate subject and we're now we're getting really deep into the it weeds it just happened to me this week so yeah no it's kind of a real yeah. fucking thing <laughs> well <laughs> it depends on your definition of canceling as well but yes uh go follow uh, and actually i suppose i need to update your tiktok on the graphic here for your name because uh that's not his tiktok anymore uh, what is what is it your is TikTok? Not. Let's go ahead and put that out there. The new TikTok is the Grizzly Villain Lives. Um, and if you don't mind, Bobby, before we get up out of here, there's something I want to say. All right. Just real quick. Um, no, it's not going to be anything like my appearance on the Man Cave because that was drunk and petty me. Uh, this is actually something more serious than that. If anybody pays attention to my social media pages, you know this week I went after a conservative group and called them on their hypocritical bullshit, which turned into my account getting mass reported and banned at just under 120,000 followers. You know anything about me? I don't care about followers. I care about the people that I got the help through TikTok. Unfortunately, there's people in this world who don't have the same perspective that I do. I found out today that yesterday morning Another creator that this group went after had chosen to end her own life. I'm not saying that it was this group's fault directly, but as a whole, as a country, as human beings, we need to come together. We need to do better. We need to start putting people in check for bullying. We need to, instead of pushing people off an edge, we need to be the ones to reel them back in from the edge. Life is too short and life is too precious. And this is coming from a guy who constantly is trying to ease the sexual tension between the back of his throat and the barrel of a shotgun. So just look out for people. Make sure everybody's doing fine. If you haven't heard from somebody in a while, hit them up and make sure they're good. Life is too short. Don't be a bully-ass prick. I love you all. If you need anybody to ever reach out to whether I know you or not, reach out to me and I'll do my best. I love you guys. All right. And yeah, that's, that is one thing you and I definitely both agree on is uh, bullying in this country is the division in this company has created a lot of that and it has caused some terrible things uh, obviously we have a mental health crisis in this country and bullying is a huge huge part of that and certainly we want everyone to be well i don't care what side of the fence you ride whether it be 
conservative and liberal, whether it be whether it be WWE and AEW, whether it be Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, I do not care. If you're being bullied, uh, reach out to someone. Reach out to me. Reach out to Tony. Reach out, no matter what, reach out to a friend. Reach out to a loved one. Um, no one wants you gone. We want you here. We want you with us. We want you to, to be safe and happy. And... I don't think I don't think that there's anyone that can disagree with that. Um, all right, that will do it for this episode of the Buckle Bomb show. Have a happy Halloween. Uh, we've got a good night good show here, a nice long show. I got into some heavy topics there at the end, but that's never a bad thing. I like talking about heavy stuff uh, as long as it's always meaningful. All right, Tony, we'll see you next week. Love you, you too, man. The preceding announcement has been paid for by Bomb Media Productions.